I don't know if there's anything more cutting, more piercing than when we read in Scripture that we need to surrender our will. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and oh God, we uh, just simply uh, cry out to you in desperation. Uh, Father, you're it, and there's none other. Lord, if you don't do the work in our lives right now, it just won't happen. So, Father, we just pray with a fervency, with a boldness, with the tenacity. Oh, God, move in our hearts, move in our families, move in our church, grip us, grab a hold of us, clothe us in your armor, oh, God. Do a work in this place today that only you can do. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise and to give you all the glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Well, take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, We've made it to chapter 4, and I pray that you're excited. I have been enjoying this study as I've been learning so much of digging deep into every word from these great verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, 2, and 3. And now we're here in chapter 4. And my goal today is as you look at this cross in front of you, that you would look at this cross perhaps in a whole new light. I pray right now as you stare at this cross that you would thank Jesus for hanging on that tree, the most important tree there is. During the Christmas season, we celebrate and think about the Lord coming and what a glorious thing that is. And often we'll have a Christmas tree like you see here today. And we certainly don't worship a tree, but often we have presents under the tree. And I just pray that this Christmas will be a different Christmas. Because church, I pray, brothers and sisters, that that this Christmas, we'll look at this tree in front of you, this cross. And we won't be so concerned about what presents are under the tree on that Christmas morning. But oh, I pray that we will be very concerned, very diligent, very dialed in to the greatest gift that has ever been given to planet earth that hung on this tree, this cross that stands before you. You know, here we are in 1 Peter chapter 4, and as we've mined the Scriptures, as we've dug deeply to see what does it say in these words, we see a theme of chapter 1, 2, and 3 of what it looks like to be a true, fully devoted Christ follower, especially in the midst of suffering. Well, chapter 4 doesn't change that theme, and here's what the Word of God says. I pray you have your Bible open. I pray your notes are open. I pray your heart is open. And my request of you is as you listen to this message that I pray the Holy Spirit right now will just take over, 
that He will work, that He will move, that He will shake. Oh, I pray that you will listen acutely. And as you listen acutely, I pray that when you look up from your Bible, I pray that when you look up from your notes, I pray that you'll focus on this cross in front of you today like never before. And so here's what the Word of God says. Follow along. I'm reading from the ESV translation. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. As we look at the title of the message today, which simply is this, pursuing the mind of Christ. Pursuing the mind of Christ. Verse 1, chapter 4, 1 Peter, he writes, by the inspiration and illumination of the Holy Spirit, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Hmm. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Huh. Scratching our heads after that one, aren't we? Verse 2, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Here in verse 1, you see very clearly in that Bible in front of you as we're meditating on this cross as well that, that stands tall, that, that radiates hope, that, that radiates truth, that radiates new life, that radiates that it took one drop of blood from King Jesus to totally satisfy the wrath of God. And here in verse 1, Peter reminds that band of believers in this massive territory, he's saying, look, remember that Christ suffered. So no matter what you're enduring, he's already walked the road, and he's walked the road more infinitely from a suffering standpoint than you and I will ever walk. And Peter says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, there on that cross that you're looking at, that you're staring at, that He died and He bled and He, he was whipped and beaten and scourged to take away my sin and your sin. The command says this, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Now, pause for a moment, church. Right there in your Bible, in front of you, you see very clearly since. In other words, because this happened, this was true, this is not a fable, this is not a fairy tale, this is not a story, this actually happened since Christ, since He did. It happened. Since He suffered in the flesh, do something. So often we miss these thoughts in Scripture, don't we? Since Christ suffered, do something. See, faith is not passive. Faith is active when it's real, when it's true. And right here, Peter says, by the Holy Spirit, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. If someone came up to you today and they said, hey, what's going on? And you said, hey, living the dream. 
And they responded and said, arm yourself. My assumption in this is that when you and I hear this, our minds immediately go to some sort of battle cry, if you will. I believe it's a battle command. We're in a spiritual war. And right here in this Scripture, Peter says, because Christ suffered, arm yourselves. What? With the same way of thinking. (laughs) Kind of makes you chuckle, doesn't it? A battle cry and arming yourself, you typically think of, well, I have to go get a weapon. I have to get something to go fight the battle. And maybe you're saying right now, well, (laughs) what's thinking have to do with arming yourself? I believe it has everything to do as you look at that cross in front of you right now and you stare at it and you give God glory and praise for King Jesus who suffered and bled and died. And as He did that, He did so that we would, yes, spend eternity with Him in the new heaven, the new earth, but also while we're here, we're still here on this planet earth, the reality is we have a mission. We have a mission to go spread the gospel. We have a mission to go share the light of the gospel. We have a mission to go make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And that's the mission. Look at that cross in front of you today. Jesus was on a mission. He was born to go to a feeding trough. He was born to go into a grave. And He was born to rise triumphantly. Because in the middle of the feeding trough and in the middle of the empty tomb is a cross. Look at that cross that stands in front of you. See, so often we forget that the battlefield really is in the mind. What we think on is typically what we act on. Ever thought of that premise before? What we think on is typically what we act on. And so as you think of that concept, as you look at the cross, I want to highlight one phrase that seems a little perplexing. And here in this phrase, it's in your Bible in front of you, he goes on to say this statement. He says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hmm. What in the world is he getting at there? Well, I believe as you look at the cross in front of you and think about the cross and how Jesus suffered and bled and died on your behalf, on my behalf, to take the punishment that you and I deserved. I believe Wayne Gruden sums it up so beautifully when he said this regarding this phrase. Whoever has suffered for doing right and has still gone on obeying God in spite of the suffering it involved has made a clear break with sin. End quote. Another commentator said it like this. This verse depicts the spiritual state of the victorious sufferer. It carries a note of triumph. He has effectively broken with a life that's been dominated by sin. His old life, dominated by the power of sin, has been terminated. Wow. What a great illustration, church, of exactly what I believe that phrase means. 
So how do we take this as you look at this cross in front of you? How do you take this? How do we connect these dots? Well, I believe we can begin so as we dive into some deeper scriptures, but first I want us to write down key number one in your notes. Key number one is this. A fully devoted life in Christ is a fight, not a fashion show. Let me say that again. Key number one. A fully devoted life in Christ is a fight, not a fashion show. Uh, Two thoughts here as you're thinking about this cross in front of you. The Bible is clear that for the true believer, not the false one, but for the true believer, even though Christ has overcome the grave, you are still in a battle as the enemy has sway over this world. The enemy is the governor, the president of this present darkness. Number two on the thought chain here would be this. The Bible is clear that as we are in a battle, we must intentionally pursue the mind of Christ. See, arm yourselves with this way of thinking. Just not any way of thinking, but we want to model Christ. We follow Christ. That's the whole point of life is simply this, that you and I would habitually ask ourselves, are we becoming more like Jesus? You know, the reality is that if you are in a battle, as you look at that cross, what do you need? Well, an offensive weapon would be important, wouldn't it? See, in the armor of God, do you see any sort of offensive weapon? Absolutely. We call it the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Bible is not a coffee table ornament. It's not a door stopper. It's not a paperweight. It's not something that just looks good on a bookshelf. The Bible is what literally infuses life into our lives. It is real. It's living. It's active. It's true. It's real. It's the Bible. It's the truth that can and will forever set men and women free as they surrender their lives to King Jesus. Write down Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Here's what Paul writes there as he's on that house arrest, imprisonment, if you will. And he says these words, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong. Where? In the Lord, not in self, and in the strength of His might. Put on, clothe yourselves. With what? The whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, his lies, his deceptions, his vices, and oh, is he crafty. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Understand that, church. You're not wrestling against somebody else. It's the enemy. It's light versus darkness. But against what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, take up, take up, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now look at verse 14. There's that word again, stand. 
what we're seeing, a lot of repeating here, very important, stand, anchor, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. It holds the whole armor together. Truth is the pivotal Jenga piece in the puzzle. You remove the truth and you remove everything and collapse has been set into motion. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by what? The gospel of peace in all circumstances. Verse 16, take up, take up what? The shield, the shield of faith. What will it do with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy, the evil one? And 17, and take the helmet of salvation, protect the brain, protect the way of thinking, put on the helmet of salvation, do everything in your power, I must do everything in my power to protect the data center, put on the helmet of salvation over our minds, and lastly but not least, and the sword of the Spirit, capital S, which is the Word of God. Wow. See, this battle is light versus darkness as you look at that cross in front of you. Truth versus deception as you look at the cross in front of you. And the enemy will not relent as he seeks to destroy every person, every family, and every church that is all in for Jesus. He is on a mission to seek and destroy. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. But we don't take orders from slimeball Satan, do we? We take orders from King Jesus. Oh, the battle has been ultimately won. Amen. But while we're here on this planet Earth, there is a battle raging spiritually, and we just read about it in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17. Church, a fully devoted life in Christ is a fight, not a fashion show. What do you see when you look at that cross in front of you? What else does Scripture tell us regarding this battle, this fight? Write down Jude chapter 1, which is kind of a joke because there's only one chapter, verses 3 through 4, Jude 3 through 4. Here's what's written in this instance regarding the battle. Verse 3, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing. Do you see that? Appealing to you. To what? To contend, to contend for the faith what? that was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, they creep in, don't they? The wolves creep in. They put on their sheep's costume and they creep in. And Jude is imploring the reader then, he's imploring us today, he's saying, look, contend earnestly for the faith. It means this in the original. When it says to contend, it means to fight, to wrestle, to grapple. Church, we are in a battle. 
You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Church, what do you think of when you look at that cross? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your mind at this very moment? See, it's so important that we understand these deep, deep truths. Because I get it. Maybe you're suffering deeply today. You're going through a hardship. You're going through a difficult time. Perhaps you're being persecuted. Perhaps you're being slandered, lied about. I think Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said it so well. If you're suffering today, if you're struggling today, and you're thinking, you know what, I feel like I'm alone. I'm standing for the gospel, but I feel like I'm alone in my family, at the workplace, on the ball field, wherever you're going, perhaps you feel like you are alone. Listen to what Hudson Taylor said. At the timberline where the storms strike with the most fury, the sturdiest trees are found, end quote. Wow. See, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, God can use your pain because, church, you know this by now, your pain always has purpose. Remember, church, remember, brothers and sisters, you can't be battle-tested unless you're in a battle. And you can't be forged by the fire unless you're actually in the fire. The true depth, the true depth, not the false depth, not the charade, not the Mickey Mouse, not the Humpty Dumpty, not the Lucky Charms, the true depth of a person's spiritual roots are revealed. Oh yeah, are revealed. Not while lounging on the mountaintop, but rather in the battle that's raging in the valley. Put someone in the pressure cooker and you will see very quickly where their spiritual roots are, guaranteed. See, that's what happens when we get squeezed like a sponge, don't we? When we begin to get wrung out, we see very clearly where we really stand in regards to surrendering our lives to King Jesus. When you look at that cross, church, in front of you today, what do you see? What do you see when you look at that cross? So, as we roll into our last verse, verse 2, biblically, what must be the pursuit for every true believer that has truly given their life to King Jesus. Think about this. Biblically, what must be the pursuit for every true believer? Well, let's see. As the answer in verse 2 of 1 Peter 4 tells us. Verse 2 says it like this. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but but for the will of God. 
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I don't know if there's anything more cutting, more piercing than when we read in Scripture that we need to surrender our will. Now, we would say this, and it's not very good English, but I think the premise rings true. We would read that verse, verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 4 and say, them are fighting words because our flesh craves to be fed. Our flesh craves to be satisfied. And God says, I want you to be satisfied in me as right now you look at the cross and think about the selflessness that hung on that cross. See, God right here through His Word in this one verse of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, says, no longer live. Don't do it any longer. He's writing to believers and saying, look, you've got to put this stuff behind you. You've got to kill it. You've got to mortify it. You've got to crucify it. Don't pursue yourself. Pursue Christ. Pursue others. Push others to the front. And you and I, we get in the back of the bus. And yet that's so hard to do because we must no longer pursue our own will, but we must pursue the will of God. See, this mean monster is so powerful, so alluring, so addictive, a planet me, me-ism, me-ology, we live in a culture that doesn't say this per se, but we live it in the culture. It's all around us. I pledge allegiance to myself. And yet the Bible just simply screams a totally counterculture message that we pledge our allegiance to King Jesus. As we go low and He goes high, as His glory rises above us, that's the life of contentment. That's the life of peace. That's the life of joy. So often, though, we just throw temper tantrums even as adults, don't we? I'm not getting what I want. It's amazing how the self-life leads to a very discontent life. And that's why key number two, here it is, key number two is this. The aim of every true believer in Christ is not their own will, but God's will. The aim of every true believer in Christ is not their own will, but God's will. This is a game changer. This is a total game changer. I realize this sounds like a dust statement to those who have truly relinquished control of your life to the power of the Holy Spirit, to King Jesus, but there are many all across our country today, I believe, that are sitting inside of churches that the reality is this, that it all looks good on the outside but they're having a love affair with their own will. And God says, look, I don't have just a better way. I got the only way. And it's through the one who hung on that cross, who modeled and showed total submission to God's will. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father. You know, what happens so often is we see so little heart transformation that goes on all across our country. And 
I think the cherry on the top, if you will, of this message that gets portrayed across our country that, hey, you know, you just kind of act like you're in for Jesus and say something hocus pocus. Supposedly something happens when it really doesn't and there's this heretical idea that God exists to jump on your bandwagon, my bandwagon, while we drag Him around town and then we demand that He, interesting, bless our plans. And then if we get in a jam, what do we do? Well, we push the panic button, don't we? We push the God, get here quick button. Bail us out, God. And oh, by the way, do it yesterday. Oh, as you look at that cross in front of you today, think about the surrender of the will that happened on that cross. You may be asking, is it really important? I mean, is it really important to please God? Or maybe ask it like this, is living a selfless life really important to God? We'll write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-10. through 10. And here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says these words, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to what? To please Him. That's the aim. That's the goal. The bullseye is, is not that we please self. It's not that we please our families. not that we please our church. The goal, the aim, where we are dialed into with laser beam focus is to please God. And then he says these words in verse 10. Paul does. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's for the true believer. Why? So that each one may receive. Hmm. Receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Wow. Do you think it's important to please God? Do you think it's important to live a selfless life? Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, church, look at the cross in front of you today. Did you catch this there in Galatians 2.20? That Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. Church, do you see this? Do you see the connection between being crucified and crucifying the flesh and saying simply, it's no longer I? It's no longer I on a bumper sticker on your car will not cut it if you really haven't been crucified with Christ and to Christ. God demands our allegiance and our obedience. And that's why Jesus began to really throw down, if you will, took the gloves off, comes off the top rope right here in Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37. And the Bible says this, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So he calls the crowd, pictures the guy who hung on the tree, the cross that you're staring at right now. Look what he does. He calls everyone to himself and listen to the message that he's preaching. 
right here in Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Wow. They'll build a big church, won't it? But you see, the man who hung on the cross that you're staring at right now understood with total clarity, total clarity, that the way up is down, that you win by losing, you live by dying. And when he says, look, you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me if you really want to be one of mine, he looks at them and he throws down the challenge. He just simply says, look, this is the cost. This is the cost to really be one of mine. And he puts the most difficult thing that we'll ever do in life, and that's really deny ourselves totally, totally crucify that flesh. He puts it number one of the three on the list because the other two are byproducts, they're outflows. If you and I really begin to deny ourselves and put ourselves aside and think about God's glory and other people and the lost people all around Chester, Virginia and beyond, think about what's going to happen to step two and three. They're going to be really, really easy. Because when you truly deny yourself, when I truly deny myself, taking up our cross and following Him are just next steps that we automatically do. Think about that cross. Think about King Jesus who hung on that cross. Is the fully devoted Christian life difficult? You better believe it is. Because the reality, some days are brutal. And some of the days that Jesus walked on this earth were brutal as well. And R.C. Sproul said it so well when he said this, I get irritated when I hear preachers say, come to Jesus and all your problems will be over. That's just simply a lie, end quote, and I shout amen. We don't teach people what the flesh craves. We teach people the Word of God because in the midst of the crucifying of the flesh where the mean monster is constantly waging war against us and the enemy of self wants to be fed and coddled on an ongoing basis, we must continue to look at the cross and see the total definition of denying self as a ransom for those who would place their faith and trust in His life, and His name is King Jesus. So are we, church, are we pursuing God's glory and not our own glory? Brothers and sisters, are we pursuing His will and not our own will? Are we pursuing, truthfully, His kingdom and not our own little kingdoms? Are we really, truly seeking and running hard after the selfless life that is a byproduct of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Am I doing that? Are you truly doing that today? Remember, God is not my and He's not your. Personal Amazon drone waiting for me and you to ring his bell. And then he magically swoops in with our order. 
when we just simply say, chop, chop, here we are, get it done, God, bring it here, make it happen. That's not the God of the Bible. So if you and I are really serious today as you look at that cross, if you're really, really serious about following Christ, I want you to memorize these verses. I want you to internalize these following verses. These are a wartime rallying cry for our wartime weapon, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the offensive weapon that we attack the enemy. It says lies and devices are swirling all around us individually, in your home, in our church, in our country, everywhere we go. For true Christ followers, the enemy has really one card to play, and that's simply called the lie. And he's constantly lying and deceiving. How do you counter lies? You counter lies with the truth. Look at that cross that stands in front of you. Not only did a man named Jesus hang there, but the way, the truth, and the life hung there. As he shed his blood, that we might forever be set free. Well, here are these verses, James chapter 3, 13 through 16. I pray that you and I will memorize and internalize these verses because these verses sum up exactly what goes on in the me-centered, me-saturated, me-focused culture that we live in today. And here's what James tells us. We studied this months ago, but here they are again. James chapter 3, 13 through 16. The Word of God, thus saith the Lord, says this, Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him do what? Let him show his works, his obedience, his life in the meekness of wisdom. Hmm. 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the church. Truth. 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, it's unspiritual. Oh, here we go. And yes, it's demonic. Now here is the verse that sums up everything. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be, did you catch that? Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, in any entity, there will be, you're promised, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Another translation says it like this, there will be confusion and every evil thing. Well, if you want your home to have confusion and every evil thing, if you want your home to have disorder, if you want your home to have every vile practice, here's how you do it. Get everyone together and say, here's our plan, family. We're all going to be selfish, and we're all going to be jealous of one another. And the reality is, when any of us do those things, the byproduct is a completely chaotic, off-the-rails, living-in-darkness home. So what do we do? Well, let's look at that cross right now. Just look at that cross. Think about the selflessness, the humility, the love, the grace, the mercy, 
Because we just read in verse 1 of 1 Peter 4 that yes, Christ suffered since He suffered. As you look at that cross, picture Him suffering. And as you look at that cross, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves with the truth. Because here's what happens. If we're not in the Word and we get out from under the Word, we will fall for every deception that's out there. Every scheme will fall for. We'll bite hook, line, and sinker. We'll hear our friends say, well, this is how it really was when it really wasn't that way. And if we're not under the truth and we're not discerning, we'll bite and we'll begin to make decisions, spiritual decisions that drive over spiritual cliffs one after the other. And we'll look back on those things years later and just simply say, what was I thinking? With the damage that was caused because here's what happens, church. When people live in the darkness and they live for their own will and not God's will, when they don't arm themselves with this way of thinking, when they're not renewed by their minds, Romans 12, 1 through 2, they're not renewed. They're not feasting on the Word. They're out from under the Word. They want something fun. They want something that's less convicting. Boy, it's hot in here. Let me loosen my collar. It may please the flesh, but it will destroy the soul in the long run. What do you do? You look at the cross. You look at the cross. So here finally are questions I want us to think on right now. Just think on rhetorically as I read these out loud. When people see me and they see you, do they see someone who is under the control of the Holy Spirit or do they see someone who craves control because your life is actually out of control. Number two, when people see me and they see you, do they see someone who is full of humility, full of selflessness, full of obedience to the Lord, full of seeking personal holiness, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit? Three, when people see me and they see you, do they see someone who understands they are in a spiritual battle on this earth and that the Holy Word of God is a weapon to wield with power against the schemes of the enemy? Four, when people see me and they see you, do they see someone who is desperately seeking to have the mind of Christ? And lastly, number five, when people see me and they see you, do they see Jesus? And I pray that I and I pray that you will band together right now and just simply proclaim we're all in. We're all in for Jesus. For all the days of our lives, for every breath we take, we just want to be totally surrendered as you and I, from this day forward, each and every day, simply look at the cross. Father, we come before you. You know, God, as we worship you, Lord, I pray you move in this time. I pray you move right now. Lord, as we open our hearts and our minds and just simply say, God, what do you want from me? 
Lord, what is it that you want from me? Father, we confess that often we ask what you want for us when the real question is, what do you want from us? Oh God, I pray, Holy Spirit, as you're moving all across this room today, Lord, if there's someone here that's never given their life to you, truly, I pray today will be the day. No more fooling around, but I pray today will be the day. Perhaps there's someone here today that's never been baptized, and next week's the baptismal service. And Father, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that they will say, you know what? I'm going to follow in obedience, and I'm going to get baptized next week. Lord, maybe there's someone here that just wants to pray, just wants to humble themselves and just seek you and I said, look at the cross, oh God. Father, whatever you want to do in this time, this is not our time. This is your time, God. You move, you stir. Give us the courage to respond how you would want us to respond in total obedience, total surrender. And oh God, we just ask that everything that's been said today has been glorifying to you. And Father, I pray personally that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart has been acceptable to you and you alone, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of the risen Savior, King Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.